Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señores y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting. And your favorite casino and card games are available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use your promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. And joining us on the Carne for the very first time, he covers the Mets for MLD, MLB.com. He is the Mets beat writer, ladies and gentlemen, live from the airport, Anthony DeComo. Anthony, ¿cómo estás, amigo? I'm doing well. How are you? Fantastic. So, Anthony, let's get right in, uh, into it. Uh, the Doyers are, are going to go to Nueva York, and they're starting a series with the Metropolitans. Uh, it's a debate as to who is a bigger disappointment, the show pods or the Metropolitans. What, what went wrong for the Mets? Or are people overreacting to the Mets' first half of the season? It kind of depends on which way you look at it. Certainly, a lot went wrong, uh, most noticeably on the pitching side. Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer have not been pulling their weight in the way that the Mets hoped when they gave them two largest contracts ever for pitchers uh, in terms of average annual value. Um, and they just haven't done enough other things to make up for that. The rotation, and frankly, the whole team has been pretty healthy. It's just a matter of performance. It hasn't really happened so far for the Mets. Uh, but there is probably a bit of overreaction in the sense that this team is still well within striking distance of a wild card berth. And at least is out of play for them, sure. Um, but this team has the talent and certainly is still close enough to get in the playoffs. And once you get in the playoffs with a Scherzer Verlander led rotation, potentially anything can happen. So um, it was an ugly first half. There's no sugarcoating that. Um, but this team is not dead yet. So it was really more the pitching underperforming. Uh, how were they on the injury side of things? Yeah, it, you know, they were a little banged up early. Justin Verlander missed the first month of the season. Max Scherzer was kind of like hot and cold in terms of uh, some little achy things that he had. Uh, and obviously Jose Quintana, who was one of their offseason signings, missed the entire first half. So it, it sounds a little bad when you look at it like that, but... I would venture if you put the Mets rotation and pitching staff up against other teams, they were probably healthier than average, especially considering the age of this group. Pretty much well, everyone in the opening day rotation over 30 years old. Um, the problem really was performance. Verlander has not been Verlander. Scherzer, outside of a decent stretch, has not been Scherzer and hasn't really shown up in the biggest games. Uh, the two guys who the Mets thought they could count on when things went wrong, David Peterson and Tyler McGill, who were both pretty good for them last year, have not been pretty good this year. Um, Carlos Carrasco was 
frankly quite awful for most of the season, came out a little bit toward the end of the first half, but there is not a single pitcher that you could point to and say that guy was just nails in the first half. The closest thing the Mets had was Kodai Senga, who is a little inconsistent early, um, has generally struggled to go beyond five innings of games because of pitch counts to get really unwieldy really fast, but he has probably been the most consistent starting pitcher the Mets have had. So you mentioned uh, there are only seven games out of the wild card, and they won six out of their last eight before the All-Star break. Is that signs that maybe they were turning things around, that people were starting to perform as they're supposed to? Or was that just more who they were playing? Yeah, once again, it kind of depends on how optimistic you want to be looking at it. <laughs> and frankly, you know, coming from New York, coming from Queens, a lot of uh, fans tend to not take that optimistic route. And you can see why. This is a team that has sort of routinely disappointed their fans in the past, most notably last year when they were on a 100-win pace all year, wound up winning 101 games, and then fell flat when it mattered most to the Braves and at the end of the season and then to the Padres in the postseason. So um, certainly there is an element of, like, we want to see it when it matters from this fan base. And winning 6 of 8 before the All-Star game is nice, but they're still you know, well under 500. The division, as I mentioned, is basically out of play. The Braves are running away with it. Um, and if anyone catches them, it's not going to be the Mets. So that leaves sort of like a, not miracle run to a wild card, but a, a situation in which the Mets would have to play really well in the second half um, to get in. And then if you get in, I think there's this element of then what, right? Because like yeah. the Mets haven't shown that they're the type of team that could just go and win a wild card series and then run the table when a DS, you know, sneak their way into the World Series against, frankly, at that point, teams that are probably better on paper. So um, that's why I say there's just sort of a lack of, of optimism in a lot of corners. But if you want to look at it the other way, sure. Uh, you know, you could say the league isn't that formidable when you look at the teams that the Mets would have to leapfrog. And you could certainly say that the Mets have the talent to do it. It's just a matter, can they do it? Can they string it together? And if they string it together, will it end up mattering in the end? You know, the trade deadline is going to come right around the corner. It's going to come real quick because of where the All-Star break is. Uh, what does their schedule look like coming out of the All-Star break? And this is where I'm going to ask you to put your GM hat on, Anthony. How much time do you decide after the All-Star break whether, all right, we're still in this or we become sellers? Yeah, the schedule is reasonable, and, and certainly um, it's not a gauntlet that the Mets can't go through. But what the first half did do, and this disappointing first half did do for the Mets, is to put them in a scenario which, unless they go off and reel, reel off like 12 wins in 13 games coming out of the break, it's hard to look at this team and to look at this roster and say, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to buy. Because, frankly, the roster and how they perform doesn't deserve that. It's also kind of hard for all the reasons I just described in terms of the talent on this team and how relatively close they are to a spot to say, you know what, we're going to sell. Because that's frankly not going to do much for the Mets either. They've got deep pockets. They don't need to, to save $30, $40 million off their payroll by selling bit pieces and getting back bit prospects. So they've kind of painted themselves into this corner where, yeah, they might do some minor things at the deadline. But I think generally it makes the most sense for them to sort of stand pat um, you know, maybe they could grab a reliever or upgrade in some minor way like that. Maybe, maybe, maybe they find a controllable starting pitcher or someone who can help them beyond just the season. But in terms of giving up something for a rental and fortifying this roster, like really in a major significant way, 
I think that ship has kind of sailed, and it's sailed because the Mets uh, haven't played well enough to justify it. So I, I think you kind of answered my next question for me. I, you know, this is the time of year that drives me crazy because we're going to get this mind-numbing trade talk with these ridiculous rumors. And to a certain extent, it's already started with Scherzer to the Arizona Diamondbacks. If the, the Mets, I mean, you, I know you said that there isn't anybody worth trading, but there's no way they could unload Verlander or Scherzer, right? The problem is, if it, certainly if you look at it in a vacuum on paper, there's a scenario in which the Mets trade Scherzer, the Mets trade Verlander, the Mets go ahead and trade Pete Alonso, who's probably the most valuable trade ship on the roster, and just tear this thing down and start going again. Um, it's almost impossible to see that happening. This is a record payroll. Steve Cohen has invested the type of money in this team that we have never seen before in the history of the sport, and in many ways in the history of professional sports. To just sort of tear it all down and dedicate yourself to a multi-year rebuild is really, really hard to see happening. Um, so what do you do? You trade just one of those guys. You trade just Max Scherzer. You trade him to the Arizona Diamondbacks for, um, you know, pay down a salary. Maybe you can get a decent prospect back. Okay. You got to replace him then at the end of the year. And that's assuming that the Diamondbacks would be willing to even acquire a player like that because he does have a 40 plus million dollar option for next year that whoever acquires him is going to have to pay. Um, so it, it's a complicated situation. Uh, Verlander's the same way. If you can find someone who's willing to look past his poor first-half results, um, it's just a, a tough thing to do. So it's hard to envision the Mets doing it. And that's why, it's one of the reasons why I say it's hard to, to envision the Mets doing much of anything heading into the deadline. Uh, you know, you mentioned Steve Cohen, and out here, I, the the Dodgers are run by like uh, uh, the Phantom Menace. We, you hardly ever see the owner here. It's all Andrew Friedman, right? So when Steve Cohen called that press conference, what was that that reaction like out in New York when you guys were able to talk to the to the guy who's writing the checks? Yeah, I, I think that's a big part of what Steve Cohen wants to be it is not this guy who's just pulling the strings behind closed doors. Uh, he is very much a Mets fan. And I think he really enjoys the idea that um, he's quote unquote, uncle Steve, that the fan base adores him in, in certain ways, and certainly in ways that they didn't adore the last ownership regime. So I think he likes that. And I think he knows that to have that um, you have to be accountable when things are going bad and you can't just show your face when things are going well. So to his credit, um, that's exactly what that was and what he did. It was him standing up in front of a room and saying, I get it. We haven't performed well. Um, he offered a pretty optimistic tone that day when he had that press conference. And um, while it might not have been the thing that every Mets fan wanted to hear, I think it's an important thing to hear from your owner that just because this team has had one bad half season, um, ownership's not panicking. The front office is not panicking. And the message was, hey, fans, maybe you shouldn't panic either because we're in this to win it. And if we don't win it this year, we're still going to be in it to win it going forward. And um, that's sort of the message I think Steve wanted to deliver. Uh, a lot of baseball fans were losing their mind with the Mets spending in the offseason. And that basically Steve Cohen is just going to keep throwing money out. And so for a lot of people, he, be, he, he, he became a villain, right? He became a villain in Major League Baseball. 
But I got to sit here and wonder, isn't that good for baseball, especially for, for New York? Don't you want the major teams in Major League Baseball being competitive? Now, to me, this is what shows you how hard you can't just do fantasy baseball and just go out there and throw money. You still have to you know, rely on performance. But what Steve Cohen is doing and what he's bringing, isn't that good for baseball? Absolutely. And I think the people who don't like it, every single one of them would sign up for their own owner doing it. Um, certainly the Mets fans were the same way. Uh, back when they had some of the lowest payrolls for a major market team in the sport, um, you know, they hated teams like the Dodgers that would spend, spend, spend. And now the, the shoe is on the other foot and it looks totally different. So, uh, you know, I think it's good for the sport in general when owners spend. I think when there's a competitive marketplace and teams are vying to win as many games as possible. It's never a bad thing for fans. So, yeah, Mets fans, I think if you take a step back, yes, this season has not gone the way they would have liked. But big picture, if you had told the average Mets fan five years ago that they would be in this spot with this owner, with record payrolls, with a chance to go ahead and have a competitive roster literally every single year for the foreseeable future, Every single one of them would have signed up for that. And, and frankly, every fan of every team would sign up for that sort of scenario. Absolutely. Now, Anthony, I want to ask you, look, to me, the East Coast bias is a real thing. And it's only real because it's like 10 o'clock at night when the Dodgers start playing. So I expect I don't expect you to be up and watching a game until one or two o'clock in the morning. But what is the impression of this Dodgers team on the East Coast? When the Dodgers come into Nueva York, what are you guys expecting to see? I would say generally speaking, um, you know, in years past, I would have said a juggernaut, and it doesn't quite feel that way this year. It feels like a team that's still very, very good, but also quite beatable. And I think you've seen it throughout the first half with the Diamondbacks spending most of that in first place. Um, if you ask me who the most talented roster in the NL West is, uh, this is me personally speaking, I would say it's probably the Padres, even though they haven't shown it at all. Um, but the one thing with the Dodgers is it's a team that has a pedigree of winning, and it's one of those teams that even if they're maybe a, a half-step back in terms of talent from where they've been, it's not a team I would ever count out in big games. Uh, I have to ask you because it seems like mandatory in all of Major League Baseball that we have to talk about Shohei Otani. Now, for me, Cohen being the guy who wants to spend money, everything I hear about Shohei Otani is this is a guy who thinks about his legacy. And for me, for him to show up to New York and put the Mets over the top and bring the World Series is a quite compelling argument. Are you guys getting ready for Otani mania this offseason? Well, I think that's what fans want, certainly. And I think, uh, you know, sort of my answer to your previous question about teams competing and spending and that sort of thing. Um, I think the Mets are in this place now where no matter what, if there's a prominent free agent out there, they're going to be involved. No matter what, they're going to be a part of the suit. It doesn't mean they're going to get every single guy, but they're going to have a chance. Um, so I think that's huge for the Mets in terms of just having that ability, which only a handful of teams around the league have. And, um, What's interesting about it is, first of all, that wasn't always the case. We're not awarding Dan And certainly um, with the Mets, it's, uh, it's, it's no guarantee. We've heard a lot of rumors about what Otani wants, what Otani doesn't want. Um, that could change. At the end of the day, I think the most important thing for most free 
And once again, a big thank you to Anthony Tacomo, who covers the Mets for MLB.com. He is the Mets beat writer. Uh, we apologize for the the abrupt ending to that interview. As you guys could hear, uh, Anthony was gracious enough to call us from the airport as he was heading back to New York, and uh, he had to he had to get on his plane, so it was cut short. Uh, he left the cliffhanger, and I don't think it was that much of a cliffhanger. I think it's very obvious. I think what Anthony was hinting at was that, yeah, the Mets are going to be in on Shohei. The Mets are going to be in on every free agent as long as Steve Cohen is the owner. Um, one of the things that I wanted to follow up uh, with you, Babyface, in regards um, to what Anthony told us is he's I, 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 I don't know if that's the New Yorker aspect, but completely down on the Mets. The Mets are only seven games out of a wild card spot. It's not unheard of. We've seen teams go on secondhand runs. I'm not saying that the Mets are going to sit here and win the division, but I mean, they did win six out of their last eight going into the break. But the way he talked about the Mets to me is what I hear how Dodgers beat writers talk about the Dodgers team. Basically, Anthony just said, Hey, look, this team's underperforming. And there's nobody there worth trading. Uh, he doesn't think that Scherzer's going to be traded. Uh, and even himself, you know, uh, he doesn't see the Dodgers every day. But even he said, look, the Dodgers look very beatable. They don't look like the juggernaut that came into New York before. Um, if you hear, you ask the Bill Plug Plunkets of the world, you ask the Fabian Ardayas. They tell you the Dodgers pitching staff is in shambles. Nobody's expecting anything from the Dodgers. What I find this series to be very interesting is this is going to be a tough road trip for the Dodgers because they're going to be playing two teams that are really, really good in the Orioles of Baltimore and the Rangers of Texas. And then they're going to be starting off the road trip playing against a team that's desperate. Because the Mets have to start off strong in the second half of the season. Because if they don't, they dig a bigger hole from the, for themselves and they're not going to make the playoffs. Anthony has said it, said it. You have said it, babyface. Just get in. Get in and take your chances. So was there anything that Anthony said that actually surprised you? I mean, like you were mentioning, like... Um how it kind of seems like, well, you know, it's going to be really difficult for them to get in, right? And and you're mentioning, well, there's seven games back. But I think this this kind of goes back to what I was saying uh, previously, like, okay, you may be seven games back, but if maybe there were seven games back just of the Braves. It's kind of, it's it's an, it, it's an a little bit easier to catch them if, you know, you, you play head-to-head, right? You win, they lose. So it, it's, I think that's a little bit more doable. But the Mets, they're seven games back, but they got, the Cubs, Padres, Milwaukee, and the Phillies in front of them. So that that's what I've been telling you. It, that makes it that much more difficult because unless you're playing them head to head, you know, you you got to win, they got to lose. You got to win, they got to lose, and all those teams above you have to fall into that. So I think that's why he's kind of like, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for them to get into the playoffs, considering where where they're at in the in the in the season, and what's coming up. I mean, I mean, obviously, yes, it's doable. But it's, I think it's that much more difficult. And, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what what can they sell, right? Like you said, like, are they going to trade Scherzer? Are they going to take Verlander? I mean, would you take those contracts? 
No, I, I, I would not. But then again, I'm the Dodgers, and I'm in the playoffs every year. Teams that haven't been in the playoffs, if they think they're close and they take a gamble, I, I mean, the problem is, is what Anthony said, Scherzer's owed $40 million next year. You know, and he said Verlander, both Verlander and Scherzer had not been pitching very well. So I think that's what will give teams pause is the money aspect of it. But if you're a team that you haven't been to the playoffs in a long time, I, I could see. I think the thing is this is the fact that Scherzer's not pitching well. Are the Diamondbacks people are going to sit here and go? Well, if he's not pitching well, and all we're going to do is, even if the they find a way to have the Mets pay part of that deal, it's like, is the price tag a little too much? So I think what he was saying is something that even Cody Snavely, Bleed Lowe's podcast contributor, had been saying, is when it comes to this trade deadline, I don't know how much action's going to be out there because it seems like there's a lot of teams that are in it. So there's going to be less people trading. And I feel the price tag is going to be pretty high for those people. Like when the Cardinals, the Cardinals already came out and said, the Cardinals said they're selling. They just don't know who they're selling. Are they selling guys who aren't going to be on the team next year? Or are they going to start selling those big names? I.e., Arenado, i.e. Goldschmidt. I keep seeing Dodger fans on social media, tw- you know, tweeting, uh, you know, Arenado in a Dodger uniform. People, that's not going to happen. I know that the Dodgers don't have a third baseman. I mean, they, they do have Max Muncie. But Arenado is owed a lot of money, and he's still got a lot of years on that contract. So I, I am interested to see if the Cardinals do trade Arenado, who they end up trading him to. But I feel like this trade deadline, I don't know if it's going to be as exciting as in past years. And I don't know if there is one person out there that is someone that will put people over the top. Do you agree, Babyface? Yeah, and, and that's what's surprising. Like, when when does a team say, you know what, we're, we're out of it, we're going to sell, right? When... When you have teams that are seven games, eight backs, what's the cutoff? Is it eight games? Yeah. Is, it ten, is it ten games? Like, when does the team think, you know what, we're out of it? I mean, the Cardinals are saying, okay, we're going to sell. They're 11 games out of the wild card. So is it, is it that? Is it past ten games, right? So, you know, if, if you still think you're in it, I mean, you got teams all the way up to, like, the Pirates, right? There's only three teams in the NL that would you would think are selling. The, the, the Rockies, uh, the Nationals, and the Cardinals. So after after them, you're assuming everybody is, is trying to win it still, right? So, yeah, where where are you going to go out and try and find players to help you, right? So like you're saying, like it it might be a slow trade deadline, right? I mean, I mean, what was surprising though from when what he said was from the Mets, he said Pete Alonso. I haven't heard that name, <laughs> you know, being that. Have you seen his to- numbers? Are they are they bad? This are they? Is he down this Pete Alonso to me is uh, for those. Uh, this is going to go back to the Wayback Machine. For those people who recognize the name Rob Deer, Pete Alonso has twenty six home runs. Pete Alonso's hitting two oh six, and I, maybe I need to stop acting surprised because this is what I think Major League Baseball has come to. Because those numbers are very similar, I think, to Max Muncy's numbers. I have to keep 
I have to stop myself from looking at people's numbers and expecting them to have a higher batting average because it's just, it's perfectly acceptable now in today's game to have somebody hitting 220 in your lineup. You know, the, these teams will take that. I'll, I'll take somebody who is 20, 220 in my lineup if they're going to give me 20 home runs. Uh, yeah, but Pete Alonso doesn't help the Dodgers. So of those teams that you just mentioned right now that could be sellers, the Rockies are not going to go ahead and trade with the Dodgers. We know that because that owner will, you know, would rather, you know, bite off his nose to spite his face than do anything like that, right? Do the Nationals have anybody off the top of your head that you think can help the Dodgers? Mm, not a, what's the um, the left? You want Josiah Gray back? I take Josiah Gray back. I mean, he was an All Star this year, right? So exactly. Um, uh, what, what's the lefty's name? Um, he was with Arizona, and then he struggled in in with Washington. Uh, Corbin. Corbin. I mean, I don't know if would you take a gamble on Corbin? I haven't looked at Corbin's numbers. If you have a chance, can you give me what Corbin's numbers is? I guess what I'm trying to get at is of those three teams that you mentioned, it seems like the Cardinals have the best that I want. They have Jordan Montgomery and they have Jack Flaherty. So, but that's the thing is it's not just going to be the Dodgers that are looking at the Cardinals. It's going to be all the other teams in major league baseball that need pitching are going to go to the Cardinals. Therefore the price is going to go up. And are those guys worth what you're going to pay? So this is the kind of stuff that's going to be coming in the next few weeks. I know people get excited about the trade deadline. To me, it drives me crazy. It is the most annoying thing because you're going to start hearing all these rumors that are just made up and pulled out of your ass that there is no truth to. And then everybody's going to go on, you know, like the Scherzer thing. The Scherzer thing already started a while back. Oh, Scherzer to the Diamondbacks. Scherzer to the Diamondbacks. I, I just, I hate these things, but I just, I mean, like the fact Cody Bellinger. Everybody's like, ah, Cody Bellinger's going to be a trade. The Dodgers could use tr- Cody Bellinger out in the outfield, but he's another left-handed bat. And what have they already told us? They want a right-handed bat. So, I, I mean, there's no way the Dodgers are going to trade for Cody Bellinger. You that, think the Dodgers are going to trade for Cody Bellinger? That would be a ridiculous trade for one because they didn't want to pay him the money, right? Yeah. And yeah. then and then on top of that, now they get him back, they have to pay him, and they're going to give up assets to get him? They're not going to do that. And this is why I hate this time of year because you you see these outlandish things and it's just like, oh, come on, people. Let's be realistic. Let's try to think the way Andrew Friedman would think. So that's what I find really. I I, I wish we could have spent a little more time with Anthony, but as you could see, uh, he was at the airport, but he was gracious gracious enough to give us enough time uh, just to give us a couple of things. You were going to say something? I found uh, Patrick Corbin's number, so he's Still, I mean, after Arizona, I don't know what what kind of happened to him. I mean, he's six and ten, four point eight nine ERA, one hundred and eight innings, seventy four strikeouts, and a one point five five WHIP. So, you want I mean, that? I mean, if if the Dodgers are looking for just guys that could go out there and give them innings, I mean, that might be something that they're going to look at. You know, guys that, like I said, guys that they need bodies, right? I mean, right now they got yeah. four starters, right? So they yeah. need they need bodies. They need starters. They need proven starters that can get them, you know, five, six innings, seven, you know. But like I said, it, it's it's going to be tough, especially when when 
what's the number one thing that every team is looking for at the trade deadline? It's pitching. Exactly. So it's going to be tough. I mean, I saw another another rumor today that Dodgers are interested in in Anderson and Giolito. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. You got to take it, you know. I'm going to be very interested to see if Tim Anderson does get traded, How what he goes for. Because I, I, I feel like everyone's really down on that dude. He's not having a good season. So I'm really curious as to what you, you could get for him. But you know if the Dodgers do trade for Tim Anderson, it's just a rental because Gavin Lux is going to be back next year. And I think the Dodgers have made the point that Gavin Lux is our shortstop of the future. So if you have to take Tim Anderson to get Giolito, would you do that? I mean, the thing with Anderson is he has an option, right? I don't know. Is it a team option? There's, there's some type of option for him for, for next year. Might be, it might be a team option. I, so, I thought it was a team option, if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. So so if you take him, and then you're kind of next – I mean, I guess you deal with it when, when that happens, right? But, you know, you'd either try and move one of those guys for second again, right? But then, you know, that opens up like, well, what about all these other guys, right? What's going to happen with them, Vargas and all those guys? I mean, Giolito, he's a free agent? Is he a free agent at the end of the year? I don't think Giolito is a free agent. I, I think they still have him – I think the other guy that the White Sox have, Dylan Cease, mm-hmm. uh, I think he's the one because that's the that's the one that I keep seeing is going to you know all the trade rumors about is Dylan Cease, Dylan Cease, or maybe Dylan Cease is having a better year uh, than Giolito. Um, but in terms of what Giolito's contract is, I think you have him under control, actually. He is an unrestricted free agent in 2024. Mm-hmm. So you would have him under control for one more year. If I'm reading that. No, he signed through 2023. Uh, earliest arbitration is 2024. Earliest free agent. 20, so he's got a couple more. 2026 is first free agent year. In 2026? I, because yeah. I have him unrestricted. Uh, for 2024, so I, I guess what I'm looking at is wrong. Yeah, I'm looking at the baseball reference, and they're under the salaries. They have him signed through 2023. These earliest arbitration is 2024, and earliest free agent is 2026. Yeah, so he so, he so would have. Gonna... Go ahead. Yeah, he he would have time. You know, you know, he'd be one of those guys, like you said. Are you willing to take him, uh, Tim Anderson, to get him? Kind of like what they did with. Uh, I mean. Kind of what they did right when they got Scherzer and and Trey Turner right. They took Scherzer on the on the expiring deal, but they had Trey Turner, you know, for another year. So something pretty similar to that. Um, I mean, it might be something they would look at, you know. But I mean, change of scenery, right? I mean, would Tim Anderson would it help him being somewhere else, right? Playing for playing for a contender, being out of Chicago, being in L.A., you know. It could it could spark him. Well, now it's all going to determine on what the price is for Giolito. Giolito has an ERA of three point four five. What I like about Giolito is he's already got over a hundred innings, and that's what the Dodgers need. Is they need somebody who's going to give them innings. Uh, he has a better ERA than Dylan Cease, so maybe the reason why I keep hearing the name Dylan Cease 
is it might be cheaper to get Dylan Cease than it is to get Giolito. I know everybody makes a big deal about Giolito being from Southern California, uh, but Giolito has a better ERA. He has more innings pitched. Um, that's that's something. He has a better whip. So maybe, I mean, if you think, you know, I, I, I want to spend, I want to go ahead and get somebody, maybe Giolito is the guy that you target uh, from the White Sox. But again, uh, the prices are going to be high. Um, I want to segue into, into the All-Star game. Um, overall, I thought it was a very good game. Uh, the only thing for me, and I got mixed reactions on this, so I want to hear uh, from you. I want to start first with the game. The game itself, uh, we had a conversation about this offline. Uh, in terms of the All-Star games, I think it's without a doubt that the Major League Baseball All-Star game, compared to the four major sports, is the best All-Star game out there. And it, I know there's a lot of criticism that these guys don't care. You know, there were times in the past where the starters would play five, six innings. And, and now it seems lately the last few years, you, you want to make sure everyone gets to play. But there was a period when I was a kid where there were people that made the All-Star game that didn't even get into the game. But now it's changed, and now you just want to get everyone to, to come in. So there is this perception now that the, the players don't care. From the very first inning, those two defensive plays, the one on Ocuna and then poor Federico getting robbed by Randy Rice Arena. I, I mean, it's, uh, that to me is like, when have you ever, I mean, we're talking about defense to start off the game. And it was a three to two ball game. To me, it was a very good baseball game. I'd enjoyed watching it. I just feel that Fox overproduces that game. I know people, some people like the conversations, the interviews with the players while they're on the field during the game. I don't have a, an issue with it. I don't think we learn anything new from these guys. For me, the only issue I have with it. And maybe that's the reason why I'm talking into a microphone and I'm not on the field. I'm always afraid that they're going to be distracted while they're talking to these guys and they're going to make an error. Like there were two balls that were hit to Soto while they were talking to Soto. And not to say that Soto could have caught those balls while they were talking, but that's my big fear is they're going to be distracted talking to these guys. So it's like, why are you distracting them? Just let them play the game. Let us just watch the game. I almost feel like, Fox doesn't trust the product. So because they don't trust the product, they have to do all these other things. Is this me being an old man screaming at the cloud, babyface? Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen, you know, a lot more of those in-game interviews, right, in the dugout, right? We saw that, I think, at the WBC, right? Was it, or, or was it the playoffs last year, right, where they would somebody would hit a home run, right, or, or a big plan, then somebody is talking to them, like, literally, like, 10 seconds yeah. after they scored, right? I think it was the playoffs last year. But yeah, I mean the the pitching talking to the pitchers seemed kind of odd. Like you know, the pitchers trying to pitch and they're trying to talk to him in conversation. And then the, and then I think this time around they had like multiple guys, right? Like they had a mic on on the you know like Freddie Freeman, and then I think Mookie Betts at the same time. So yeah. it, it gets a little, I guess, a little distracting. You hear you know hearing all these guys talk. I mean, like you said, I don't know. I, I thought I thought the Nathan Evaldi and Corbin Carroll exchange was pretty interesting because Evaldi was basically saying this is where I'm going to hit. I'm going to throw the pitch. This is where I'm trying to throw the pitch. Go ahead and hit it. Like to me, that was like some Larry bird level, uh, uh, 
you know, talking smack where this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the corner and then I'm going to shoot it over you and I'm going to swish. So that kind of stuff. I I mean, I I guess it's interesting to watch, but I, I, why, why can't I just want, and again, there were a couple of people that hit me up immediately and said, if these interviews continue, I'm going to change the channel. Did you get any of that vibe? No. And I think also too, I think, like I said, you know, they had the multiple interviews. Like we've seen, like, you know, games where they're talking to one guy, like he goes out there for half an inning, right? They talk to somebody, like during the season, right? And I think yeah. since it was the All Star break, right? The All Star game exhibition, right? I kind of think they just kind of, hey, let's try this, you know. Obviously, they're not going to do that. I don't think that's ever been done, right? During the playoff game, right? I've ever mic'd somebody during the playoff no, they, game. No, I don't think they've right? done it through a playoff game. Yeah. And so I, don't I don't have a problem with them doing it in the dugout. I, I don't. It's when they're on the field. I, I I agree with you. It was a little like, oh my god, they got the pitcher mic'd up. That got that took me a while to get used to, but I did get a kick out of Evaldi going. I'm aiming for his back leg on this pitch. Yeah, I mean, until something crazy happens, I think you know they'll probably continue to do it. I mean, for example, I don't know if you saw it. Um, did you see what happened to Trevor Bauer in Japan? Uh, the one where he gave up the home run? No, there was a play where the the they got caught up. Like some runners got up second, third, whatever. Like they threw it to third. The guy running back to third, and then the guy from second was going to third, and then he stopped. He went back to second, and then they kept throwing the ball around. And basically, they got nobody out. Mm-hmm. And then when then Trevor Bauer was, I mean, he was pissed. Like he came he came off. He was yelling at the top of his, you know as hard as he can right before he got back on the mound he circled the mound a couple times and and then finally finally after like 10 seconds he got back on the mound he calmed himself down because he was pissed at what the infield had just what he'd seen and then he finally he he, he pitched again and he got a comebacker and then instead of throwing to the guy at first he ran to first and stepped on first base and then and then was he close enough to first base to do that or did he he, no from the mound it was a comebacker. From Did the he mound. make the play closer than what it should have been? Um, it didn't seem like it. So oh, he, he sprinted at first, and then as he was coming off, he was yelling. I think it was they said he was yelling at the team, like to you know get their act together. So yeah. unless something like that happens when the pitcher is, is actually mic'd, I mean, I mean, I don't know. Was that is that is that good for TV or or? I think that's great for TV. <laughs> now, if I'm one of his teammates. I hope that Trevor Bauer pitched a shutout that game because if he got rocked and he did that to me, I'd be in the clubhouse saying, hey, Trevor, why don't you concentrate on pitching? You know, like if I was the first baseman, I'd be like, don't you ever do that to me again? You know, like I didn't I got to go back and find that play. But look, look, they're making efforts. Last year's play all star game was the lowest rated all-star game in major league baseball history. That being said, that all-star game, the major league baseball all-star game still does better ratings than all the other major sports all-star games. So even though less people are watching the major league baseball all-star game, they still go for it. Now that might be because it's the summer and there's nothing else to watch. So people will watch it or that just also might be, People like the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, and that's why they go ahead and watch it. 
they're making every effort to make it must-see TV. That's why you end up having the red carpet. That's why you have these introductions, like when the Astros players got booed, when Tucker and Alvarez got booed. I mean, Bob Nightingale, did you see Bob Nightingale's tweet, you know, saying, hey, no to, no to fans. Those guys weren't on the team. It's like, Bob, why, why do you do this to yourself? I, I feel like you bring it upon yourself. This is why people don't like you. They're, okay, they're booing Tucker and Alvarez, but they're booing what happened in 2017. That's what they're booing, you know? And if you can't realize that, then maybe I, I can't help you. So that's theater. That's what this is. We can't lose sight of the fact that this is an exhibition. Everybody makes it out to be like, oh, you know, what's on the I, line? The only thing that's on the line is pride. I mean, aside from like Iovaldi, like like telling uh, Corbin Carroll like what what's coming. I mean, it did it didn't seem like an exhibition, right? I mean, like in basketball, like you know, we see the All Star game and they're just like. They're not playing any defense. They're trying, you know, their trick slam dunks, whatever, as they go up to 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 score. And right. it, you can you can see that it's it's an exhibition, like the All Star game. It doesn't really feel like an exhibition, right? I mean, these guys seem like they're playing a normal game. Yeah, because they actually are playing, and yeah. because as we saw in the first inning, they're playing defense. They're trying, you know, to get the other person out. Not like in the NBA where they're doing this Ole Matador defense, you know. And that's, to me, that that's why this is the best all-star game. I just wish they would just trust their product. And it was a great game. Three to two ball game. And then in the ninth inning, you know, when, when uh, your favorite uh, reliever was on the mound, you know, trying to shut things down for the National League. You mean to tell me you don't think the American League was trying to win that game? You don't think the American League was trying to come back and and win that game? So when people sit there and say, oh, these guys don't care, they're not trying or anything like that, I'm just like, no, don't don't sit there and tell me that these guys don't care. They care. Kimbrell, you know, was trying to get that out. And who had Kimbrell, Craig Kimbrell, getting the, the save in the National League why he was the guy that got the assignment in the ninth inning, I get it that Thompson is his manager, but I would have gone with another reliever to, in, in the ninth. I mean, and even it was it was a drama filled ninth, right? Like, I mean, I mean, Julio Rodriguez comes up, right? You know, yeah. a, chan- a chance to I think it was a guy on, right? Gone. You know, if if he would have hit a, a walk off right there, I mean, that place would have went nuts, right? I mean, yeah. So I mean, you you have all the you have all the theater, all the drama, like. Of like you said, like a regular season of a postseason game. That's kind of how it felt in that ninth inning, right? It's as the NL was trying to hang on for their first win in in, in what eleven years. Yeah, I mean, hey, that, that we buried the lead. The National League won. Everybody, I, I I don't know if anybody remembers the last time the National League won, but the National League finally won. Uh, we on this show we root for the National League, so I, I was happy that the National League finally won a game. And I think that that also helps. I think when you have these long periods of dominance from one league or another, I think that also contributes in people just not caring about it because they're like, oh, what's the point? The American League's going to win again. When you really don't know what's going to who who's going to win, I think that's excellent theater. Um, one of the other things I wanted to touch on about the All Star Game, and I saw a lot of this on social media. Uh, people were bashing the uniforms. Uh, everybody was just like, 
just go back to the way it was. And you have brought this up. I do find it really odd that they let them wear their regular uniforms during the home run derby. And then they had these all-star game uniforms that it just, it does make it hard to pick out your guy. And these arguments of like, well, you know, you don't, it's like, no, man, if, if you're a Detroit Tigers fan, you're waiting for that Detroit Tigers uniform to come out on the field because you only got one guy. So I, I just, uh, it was very interesting. I know we've talked about it on the show. We want them to go back to wearing their regular team uniform, not these new uniforms. Uh, how much hate did you hear for the uniforms on social media or, or did you see on social media for the uniforms? Yeah, no, I mean, I saw, I saw a lot. I mean, I saw so many people from, I think I saw a tweet from Tim Neverett. You know, I saw, um, like MLB cathedrals, like there, there was, you know, people were saying like we we want these guys to play in their regular uniforms, you know. And I think, I think that's what what the that's part of the All Star game, I guess the the baseball All Star game. Like you you would see all these guys in their in their, you know, back you know back in the day, a lot of these teams had colorful like uniforms, right? You had the Pirates in their their black and gold. You had and the Cardinals had their their baby blues, you know. So you yeah. see a lot of these different like really nice looking uniforms, right? From from all the teams, right? And and now, like I said, they're I have no problem with them having a national and, and American like jersey, but like do it like they did they were doing previously the last, you know, whatever, 10, 10, 15 years. They were wearing those on the home run derby day, right? Yeah, I had so, no problem with them wearing those during the home run derby. Yeah, so do do that, continue like that, and then on the day of the all star game, let them wear their uniform. And you know, like you said, you know, if you're if I'm a you know, if I'm a Detroit Tiger fan, you know, like I want to, I want to spot my guy, like in in the dugout, yeah. just just panning the dugout, like, oh, there, there, there's that uniform, you know. No, absolutely. Uh, obviously, we've saved this uh, because I think probably the biggest moment of the All Star Game, unfortunately, didn't come be- as a result as action on the field. It was the Seattle Mariner fans just basically trying to convince Shohei Otani to come to Seattle. I don't think you've, I mean, have we ever seen a moment like that in an all-star game where you're clearly, uh, you know, you have a whole stadium chanting for uh, for a player, not because of what they did, but it's just like, I want you to come here. I know there's been, Shohei, of course, dominated the all-star game in terms of, of the talk. There was the chant during the game, come to Seattle, there was the comment that was made where he said he was so impressed with Mookie Betts. Everything is being so overanalyzed. You know, I, Freddie Freeman saying, I can't answer that because, you know, I don't want to believe in tamper. I don't want to get busted for tampering. How much do you think, how much recruiting was going on during those two days in Seattle with Shohei behind closed doors? I mean, you got to think like any guy that he'd go up to and, and kind of meet, they'd probably say like, "Hey, dude, I'd 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 love to play with you, right?" I mean, you know, even jokingly, they'd probably they're probably saying that. But I mean, but yeah, I mean, how much? I mean, I think they even asked him about Seattle, and he said, you know, he spent a couple off seasons there. Um, so you know, he does. You know, if you start looking into like, oh, he's been he likes Seattle, and he spent yeah. he spent off seasons here. Maybe he'll maybe he'll come, right? Did that give the man you know the Mariners a little bit of more hope, right? And 
And then if you're in Dodgers, like, oh, man, he's really impressed with Mookie Betts. He, the way he's yeah. so versatile, you know, like, does that mean he wants to play with Mookie, you know, going forward next season? Like, you, you know, you don't know. I mean, a friend of the Carne Asada, Jorge Castillo, wrote a great article about, you know, it's almost it's going to be now three times that the Dodgers have gone after Shohei. Will the third time be the charm? They tried drafting him, you know, out of high school. They, uh, if you believe these people, they were close. The uh, The problem was that there was no DH in the National League when he finally came to MLB. Um Look, Dylan Hernandez of the LA Times, friend of, another friend of the Carnesada, had mentioned that I think there's very few occasions that uh, Shohei takes batting practice in a visitor's ballpark. And he did it at Yankee Stadium. He did it at Dodger Stadium. So take that as you will. I, I think this is going to be Shohei is going to enjoy his offseason he is going to milk this. I know all I've been hearing this week is that the Angels have to trade Shohei Otani. The Angels have to trade Shohei Otani. I, it, I don't want to get into the weeds on this because I know we're going to talk about it for the next few weeks until the trade deadline. But it is just amazing to me how on a national level, the story is Shohei and there's nothing else. Nothing comes close nationally. Uh, any other type of story in Major League Baseball that resonates with anybody. It's Shohei, Shohei, Shohei. And I think the All-Star Game, was. we saw why. You had the fans chanting for him to come, and th the players on the field are being asked about Shohei Otani. It, it's, this is what the rest of the season is going. Well, up until the tra trade deadline, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be all this talk about they need to trade him, they need to trade him. And if I'm a poor Angel fan, I just don't know. I know they don't have any faith in Artie Moreno. And if you, I mean, I've heard this scenario. Uh, Travis Rogers in 710 ESPN is a guy who I trust. I think he knows baseball. I think when he says you should trade Otani and you should trade Mike Trout, that in baseball terms makes sense. You could literally, in two separate trades, if you trade Otani and you trade Trout, you could literally get two farm systems to rebuild yourself. And if you're a smart owner, isn't it about winning? But I think what RD sees is he sees the dollar sign that is Otani, and he sees that dollar sign walking out, and I don't think these guys want to miss that. They don't want to be the guy. I'm the guy who traded Otani. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't want to be the guy that traded Otani, right? But but I think we were discussing this offline. Like, yeah, the money, he's still going to get money for Otani, you know, for the next three months. But then he walks out the door, and what, you're going to get a compensation pick for him in the draft next year? As opposed to, like, if, if you trade him and then you trade Trout, yeah, you're not going to be a contender this year, probably not next year or the year after, but maybe after that and then within the next five years, you're probably going to get back some nice pieces, right, for those guys. And you're yeah. gonna start, and you're gonna start contending now for the next, you know, five to ten years. So, exactly. So it's it, like, what what do you want to do? Do you want to take, yeah, the the money that's gonna come in for the next three months, or do you want to be a contender for the next five to ten years? You know, going forward. But that's that's you got your front office has to have that vision, and you have to have that plan. 
And look, we've seen it before. We had an owner that meddled. A, Ned, a friend of the kind of said that Ned Coletti is making the rounds again, telling the story about CC Sabathia and how Frank McCourt killed that deal. So when you have an owner that interferes, uh, instead of just letting these baseball people make the decisions, uh, it, it's got to be super frustrating for the fans. And I, and I feel bad because you know what? We have angel fans that listen to the show and I want to appreciate that. That was a really nice note that uh, so, uh, a listener sent me saying, look, I'm an angel fan, but I still listen to your guys' show. So even though we are Dodger centric, we'd like to think that our, our, our takes are reasonable enough that any baseball fan can go ahead and listen to this. Uh, I want to wrap things up real quick. Um, uh, your boy, Rob Manfred, uh, did the state of MLB uh, at the All-Star Game. Uh, there were a couple of things that I want to get your opinions on um, that I thought I found really, really interesting. Uh, one, he said that once the Oakland A's and the Tampa Bay Rays situation is settled, he's going to create an extent, an expansion committee. I know we talked about this when we had Dave Stewart on the show. I don't understand why Major League Baseball is expanding. I feel like they already have too many teams to begin with, but it looks like there's no stopping this. There is going to be expansion, and when that expansion occurs, there's going to be realignment. So, Babyface, what are your thoughts on more teams coming to Major League Baseball? And if they realign, I mean, how are they going to make another division? Are there going to be four divisions now in each league or you still think they're going to keep the three divisions and who, who are you going to move out? Yeah. I've, I've seen some stuff on realignment. Like, I mean, it's like really weird stuff, right? Like you'd have like, like all the Texas teams, just like their area. Then you have like teams in the, in the East, like just those guys over there, just those guys in the East in one league. Like, so I, I don't know how they're going to do it. I mean, 32 teams, okay, you want to do it, but my my concern more is obviously the playoff picture, right? Like, yeah. like you know, they added, and they're probably going to want to add more, right? More teams, right? You have more more teams in the league. You need more spots. I mean, I, I'd be more in favor of you. Okay, just keep it, keep it as it is. Even if you add more teams, just keep it as it is. But, I mean, that's part of why they want more teams. You know, they want... They want more teams, more areas have more baseball. There's more, you know, baseball grows, right? There's, you know, there's baseball in areas, and, and they want those teams to, to be popular, right? So those teams, so those areas grow. So obviously it's, it seems like that's what's going to come, you know, more more teams and more playoff teams. And, yeah, I don't know if they can really stop that. I, 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 I wonder if we can get somebody from the commissioner's office on the show to explain to me this desire for expansion because – if you have to relocate two teams in Major League Baseball, that's because there were two teams in those cities that baseball couldn't survive in. Then why do we need to add more? Why do we? We're gonna have. We're gonna create another situation where we're gonna have another Oakland A's and Tampa Bay Rays on our hands. That's that's something that I don't understand, and I wish someone on on in the commissioner's office, come on the Bleed Lows podcast and convince me otherwise. I know you guys listen to the show. I know people out there listen to the show in the higher-ups. Please, you know, we don't bite. We'll have, we'll really have a civil conversation. I really am trying to be open to this because I love baseball. I'm a baseball fan. Explain to me why this makes sense. Uh, another thing that I think is going to make you really happy, Babyface, is they're talking about getting rid of the pitch clock in the postseason. 
Um, do you think that's going to throw any of these guys for a loop pitching in a certain way the whole season and then come the postseason? Hey, you don't have to go that fast now. You can you can relax. Bono, did they say they were going to get rid of it or adding a couple more seconds to it? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I know that the word is they're going to be more lax um, because there was no pitch clock in the All-Star game. There wasn't? No. If there was, I never saw them put it up. I, yeah. I did not see I mean, it I mean, the thing with and the pitch clock. And there wasn't one in the World Baseball Classic. No, there wasn't one in the World Baseball Classic. I mean, the thing with the pitch clock, though, it's kind of gotten to the point where you don't really know it's there, paying attention yeah. to it, unless, unless you know, the, the batter or the pitcher, you know, takes too long for whatever reason, right? And, and, and a, even when that happens, I don't think it's a big deal anymore. Yeah, and and so like I said, my biggest concern has been when something would happen, like in the ninth inning, where it costs, where it actually costs uh, a game, and, and that hasn't happened yet. To be it, fair, it, yeah, it, it hasn't. hasn't it those hasn't doom scenarios that we talked about at the beginning of the season, none of those have happened, and I don't think anything's even been close to anything like that happening. So, you know, I mean, I know in the playoffs, like I said, things intensify, right? The situation's going to get much more intense right so that that's what i was that's why i was thinking that like maybe in the playoffs it's more intense you know they're gonna lose they're gonna lose you know track of time like right oh man i got eight seconds left to throw this pitch right that's when i thought well maybe it should be relaxed i mean maybe maybe they do add a couple more seconds whatever right to it but i mean it kind of seems like these guys are pretty much adjusted right now by now and by the end of the season they should be fine uh, did you see your boy Rob Manfred get booed? Did he get booed, or were they booing the fact that he was announcing the Astros pick? I know people were having a lot. Uh, there was a lot of joy on their faces to see Manfred's reaction because Manfred did not handle that very well. It's like, hey, bro, go watch Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell has now embraced being the heel. In wrestling, he comes out like Goodell comes out with his arms open, embracing the fans, uh, you know, booing him. But Manfred, your boy, looked like he was pissed when people were booing and they wouldn't let him get that pick out. Yeah, I mean, I think all these commissioners now get booed, right? Like you said, Goodell gets booed, right? Did Silva, does uh, Silva get booed? I, see, I don't know if Silva does, but I remember David Stern used to get booed, right? Well, David he deserves Stern. it. David Stern. <laughs> and I know he's dead, but he deserves it. I haven't forgotten him killing the Chris Paul trade. I haven't forgotten yeah. that. You know, so I mean, I think it's part part for the course, right? You're the commissioner; you're gonna get booed, right? Um, I mean, and I think Manfred gets booed every time. Every time he gets on the mic, whether it's at the end of the a World Series or whatever it is, you know, he goes up there, he gets booed. And and I heard, I think he's up for re-election in like nine months. Oh, he he wants to be re-elected. Right? He wants to come back. You know, so. I, I, I wonder know. what what Theo Epstein thinks about that because I think if Theo Epstein took that Major League Baseball job with the promise that I'm going to be commissioner eventually, though, right? I'm 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 gonna I'll, I'll do this, but I'm going to be commissioner, right? I heard something about Theo Epstein. I think it was just somebody's take, but they were saying I think they're talking about the Angels. That was a Rod. Was it a Rod? Oh yeah, it was yeah, it was on the yeah. it was thing, right? Getting Theo Epstein to the Angels and trading. Trading Trout and trading Shohei, and then just letting him take control of the Angels. I mean, imagine that. I mean, that that'd be pretty interesting to see, right? Yeah, I. You know, to, to be fair, I don't know who came up with that take first. If it was Travis Rogers or if it was A Rod, 
Uh, but I know <laughs> there were certain circles that believed that that information was fed to A-Rod. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, but that takes vision. That's the foresight of an ownership group that sits there. That's why when we were talking to Anthony, I mean, when do you ever see Walters ever talk to the media for the Dodgers? You never see that guy do that. And when Cohen came out there and basically said, hey, I know our season has sucked. I'm not happy about it. We're working on it. We're going to do something about that. When's the last owner that you saw do that? Yeah, I mean, and it's hard, right? Because now most owners isn't just like one dude, right? Or one yeah. person, right? It's it's like a group, right? And the Dodgers, to a sense, right? They're a group, right? But kind of, you still see Mark Walters as as the main guy, right? Right. But I mean, but it's an ownership group, right? With Castin and uh, the guys from uh, the Warriors and 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 Magic and stuff like that. So it's kind of it's it's a little harder to 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 actually okay, that's the that's the owner. Uh, the one thing I am thankful for is that they don't let Magic go out there and talk for the Dodgers. I mean, if if I see Magic come out here to talk about the Dodgers, I'm running in the other direction. I still have not forget, forgotten how he did the Lakers dirty. And I can't believe that people are just so like, hey, whatever, it's Magic. They let him get away with murder. I, I, I thought that was so dirty what he did uh, to the Lakers. Uh Last thing before we get to our picks, it was just announced that the Dodgers will be playing a series against the show pods in Korea next year. And so, of course, all I've seen on my social media is, you know who's popular in Korea? That's right. It's the Shohei Otani show, everybody. So how nuts would it be if Shohei Otani signs with the Dodgers and they go to Korea do you think that, that they announce that the Dodgers are going to be playing the show, heads, show pods in Korea, that that helps in signing Shohei at all? So he is popular in Korea, too? Hey, I said... Inter- international, right? In the Dodgers press box, I sat next to... And I, I'm forgetting his name. He works for Korean Daily. And he was telling me that the only reason why he was covering the Dodger game that day was because he's Shohei Otani. And I asked him... I said, is Shohei popular in Korea? And he told me, yes, even though he always beats our team, people in Korea love Shohei Otani. Okay. I mean, I mean, they, but also, too, also from the Padres, right? They got uh, Hassan Kim, right? And he's pretty popular in Korea, too. So, I mean, it makes sense for MLB, right, to showcase these, you know, you know, if the Dodgers have Otani, I mean, that's going to be crazy. I mean, uh, I mean, I get it. Um, I mean, it's it's tough on the guys, right? Like when they went to Australia, right? Like, I mean, yeah. didn't didn't like Kershaw hurt his back on that ride and stuff like that, right, or something like that? I, of- I I don't remember, but I know none of the players were happy, you yeah, know, could- about making. Yeah, I mean, once they were there in Australia, but I don't think they were happy about the travel. Um, I haven't heard many things about the teams that played in London because they also announced that the Metropolitans and the Phillies of Philadelphia will be playing in London next year. So all these trips, the, the Rockies will be playing the Astros of Houston in Mexico. So I think that Mexico series is fine uh, because the travel isn't really that bad. But when you're talking about going to London, you're talking about going to Korea, you're talking about going to Australia. 
I, I don't think those trips are popular with the players, uh, especially those in the middle of the season. I don't think uh, those well, are the, fun. The Korea trip, I mean, it's going to be March 20th and 21st, so that's going to be... Like that's going to be very similar to the Australia one. Like it's like an actual like like a week before the actual regular season starts, right? Like, and that's how the Australia one was. Yeah. It was a week before the season started. So that's what I'm saying. They, but they're they're better off doing it at the beginning of the season than I think they are in the middle of the season. Yeah, I mean, but the regular their regular season games yes. just starting like a week prior, and then they'll they'll come back and then. And then they'll get going again. There is going to be an exhibition of spring training games in Santo Domingo between the Rays of Tampa Bay and Las Medias Rojas. Uh, so, I, I mean, that kind of stuff, I think, is, is good for the game. You know, because that's where the growth is in Major League Baseball. The growth is international. That's where this sport is growing. So... I understand why they're going to go ahead and do these things, but I don't know how long that flight is uh, to Korea. I, I think I've heard somewhere over 12 hours. You want to sit in the plane, even though I know these are chartered flights and all that stuff. You want to sit in the plane for 12 hours. I mean, that doesn't sound like fun. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's the only thing, right. About these trips. I mean, I get, you know, I know the experience is going to be great for you know these guys to go to London and Korea and Australia, right? It's gonna they're gonna have a good time doing that. But yeah, it's just the travel is it's what's what's crazy. Yeah, you know? I mean it's a great look for Major League Baseball because the stadiums are packed. I mean that London series that the stadium was packed, fans were super excited. I, I, that's exactly what I expect in Korea. I expect in Korea that the stadium will be sold out, especially for the Dodgers and the Showpots. I think uh, Kim is actually going to be a free agent for the show pods uh, at the end of this year. So I'm, I am curious if he's still on the team. Uh, all right, let's wrap this up. Uh, let's go with our picks. Uh, I want to make sure that everyone is aware that Babyface, you did not win last week's picks. I didn't win. You didn't win. I did. I said uh, 2-0 and on, on the Angel series. Oh, that's right. Sorry. My bad. I was thinking about the week before. You did. Uh, so with that victory, you are now tied with myself and the listeners because Simeon came through for you guys. Simeon uh, put in his picks of 2-0. and So uh, what we're going to do is the next six games, it's going to be three against the Metropolitans of Nueva York and then three against the Orioles of Baltimore. So uh, I will go first. Uh, I think this is going to be a very hard road trip for the Dodgers. I think it's going to be very important for them to get on there for their starting pitching to get off on a good foot because if Gonsolin, if Urias can show that they're turning their season around, that's going to be a good sign for the Dodgers. If it's not, I mean, we still only have four starters. We're going to pitch a bullpen game in Baltimore. That being said, uh, I'm going three and three with the Dodgers. Okay. Babyface. So the thing with the Orioles that concerns me is I don't know anything about them. Like, uh, and uh, 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 this is what you need to know about the Orioles. The Tampa Bay Rays were dominating, dominating it. They were playing at a ridiculous rate, and now I believe. Check me if I'm wrong here, but I believe the Orioles are now only two games out. So, yes, the Rays have come back down to earth, but that means that the Orioles have been playing. Yes, the, the Orioles are two games out 
of uh, first place. They're 19 games over 500. So what I have a feeling that the Orioles, how they're playing, is they're the they're the one of those young athletic teams that steal bases, right? Kind of like we saw with the D-backs. We've seen with the Reds. We saw with the Pirates at the beginning of the season, right, that have given the Dodgers troubles, right? So I don't know if the Dodgers are at a point where they've able to kind of control that because we still saw the Pirates were kind of a different team, but they were still they were still a, a pretty pesky team, right, When the, in this last series with the, with the Pirates. Dodgers won it, but they were still pretty, you know, you know, they had power. They were, they were doing stuff to to make that an interesting series. So um, New York, I, I, I think Dodgers are going to win that series two out of three. Um, dang. Yeah, I think I think they might lose that Orioles series. Um, so three and three probably also. All right, so we're going to continue to play it safe and uh, be tied here. So we're you're both going three and three. If the, you listeners you want to chime in uh, with your picks, uh, you can send it to us on our social medias. Make sure you're following us. Uh, we are now on Threads, uh, the Bleed Lows Podcast. You can find us on Threads. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us still on Twitter. As last I heard, Twitter is still working. It's still up. Uh, make sure you're following us on our YouTube channel. And make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Let all your friends know about the best Dodgers podcast out there. And look, as, as we found out, we have fans from other teams uh, that actually listen to the show as well. So please help spread the word about the Blade Glows podcast. You have sido su servidor, Juan Ramirez, de parte de mi colega Babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Lows podcast has been brought to you by betonline.ag, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.